You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Pennell, and today I have a wonderful guest named Sarah Harvey, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because, as you're going to discover, she has an amazing project in the making. So, very excited about this conversation. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. I, I'm excited. I won't get, I, I'll stop and, and we'll take one, one question at a time. But uh, I always like to start with um, asking my guest how they define the art of parenting. Oh my goodness. That's a good one. Um, I, I, I feel like the art of parenting is, it's just this balance of messing up, figuring things out, trying things, doing them, trying them again, um, and getting to the point where, I don't know, you find what works for you and, and your family and your kids. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I would, I would describe it, my non-eloquent way of saying it's, it's just messy um, and also filled with just so much like joyful moments. And isn't that what art is? It is. It is. No, that's I, I you, you shouldn't say not eloquent. That is very eloquent. It, it's 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 messy to be doing beautiful artwork, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to trial trial and error and see what fits and all that and and I love the fact that you use the word balance because it truly is uh, a work uh, balancing act. So, mm -hmm. wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, Sarah, I would love if you could share with our listeners um, a little bit about yourself and how you came to do the work that you're doing today before we get into what you're actually working on these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for the opportunity to, to share about myself. Um, so I, I'm Sarah Harvey, and um, you know, I think my most important job has, as you know, when I describe myself as being a, a mother. Um, so I have a wonderful um, verbal <laughs> two-year-old um, who's going through the phase of just like no to everything. And so that's really like defining who I am right now um, and making me a very patient person um, when, it, when it comes to um, um, parenting. Um, and, you know, a lot of the work that I started doing before I had uh, my little one was really centered and is centered on working with children and really specifically allowing, um, well, creating um, the spaces for children to really become who they are. And so my work, um, you know, started as a, as a special education teacher. 
Um, so I taught uh, children with you know neurodivergent needs um, uh, who were middle schoolers. Um, and then after that, I went on to coach teachers and um, then helped uh, recruit and support people who were going to become teachers. And, you know, I share all of that to say that being an educator is really a core of who I am. Um, That is who I am. That's what I've always done. Um, It's what I love doing. Um, And, you know, in becoming a parent, I think it really became clear for me when I think of what is the best way for my child to learn. um, And based on my educational background, what does that type of learning environment look like? Uh, for me, it was the Montessori way of, of teaching and learning. And I'm sure we'll talk about Montessori down the line, but you know, at a high level, I really loved how Montessori created spaces for children to be independent, um, created spaces for children to be critical thinkers. And as I said earlier, right, like what really fuels my work with children is creating the spaces for them to become who they are, who they are meant to be. And to me, Montessori really allows uh, for that to happen. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm in, I'm in Atlanta and I found out that there were no tuition free, um, public Montessori schools here. And so when you think about, right, like access, I truly believe to my core that every parent wants the best for their child, but sometimes, right, like money gets in the way, resources get in the way. Um, and so to know that there was just this beautiful model that exists you know, hundreds of, of public Montessori schools around the country, thousands in the world, but we don't have a free option here, um, really motivated me to start this project um, alongside our community of building Sankofa Montessori, um, which is now um, the only state charter school commission approved public Montessori school. Um, for children in kindergarten through sixth grade, sixth grade uh, in the state of Georgia. And so it's really exciting to kind of lean into like who I am as, as an educator, who I am as a parent, who I am as a community member um, to bring this, what was an idea, you know, up to a couple months ago, um, really into, into fruition for, for families here um, in Georgia. So I, it's like my long-winded way of saying that's that's who I am and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, no, and, and it's just beautiful, and I can I can feel and hear the passion in your heart to to be bringing this to life, right? This uh, public access Montessori for uh, families in the Atlanta region, which is which is wonderful, which actually surprises me because I've been to Atlanta at a Montessori conference, and there are some lovely Montessori schools, and there's a Montessori training center. And I'm surprised to hear that there was nothing uh, done on the public sector. Yeah. So just to, you know, clarify, um, we, there is another public Montessori school that's in Savannah. Okay. But that one is locally approved. And so you can only attend if you live in Savannah public schools. I see. Okay. However, in our state, we are the Sankofa Montessori is the only one that's open to all children in Georgia. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so when is the opening date planned for? 
Oh my goodness. Um, last, <laughs> the last day in July, July 31st, um, is the day we are welcoming kids, um, into, into our building. Um, and so it will not be a full day. It will be, um, an early release day. They'll come in around eight and leave around 11, just, you know, transitioning our little babies, not making it too jarring for them to be leaving their parents. Um, uh, to make them feel comfortable and safe. Um, but our first full, full day will be, um, I believe, the 3rd of August. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so you you said that in your research, you know, trying to find what was the most appropriate um, educational environment for children, you discovered Montessori. Can, can you share a little bit about how you came to know about Montessori? Yes. Um, and so I first found out about Montessori in 2010 um, when I was a brand new teacher um, going into my teacher training. And I remember I was in Arizona at that time, and Arizona is really known for having a ton of public Montessori schools. Um, and I remember one of our instructors in my course, you know, taking us into different schools to kind of observe the ways that children are learning. And I walked into this classroom and, well, it's not even a classroom. I walked into a school and every classroom that I walked into, there was just this feeling of joy, like joy from the adults, joy from the kids, which was just like not something I was seeing. And not something that I even experienced in my own educational career, like as a kid. Um, and I saw kids in this classroom where the, the rooms were bright, there was nature in the classroom. Everything was at an eye level for the child. Children were working independently. The adult, I couldn't even find the adult in the classroom. <laughs> I was like, who was running this place? Um, and so couldn't find an adult. And there was just this quiet hum that was happening. It was like being in a lab. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. What is this magic? And, you know, we had to move on <laughs> to go study the other schools. And I remember thinking, this, this is amazing. So, you know, I went through my, you know, teacher training, um, ended up getting my master's in special ed. Um, then, you know, kind of forgot about what I saw. And it wasn't again until um, 2015 when I was coaching teachers um, out in Connecticut. And one of my assignments was to support a teacher um, in a public Montessori school. It's called Elm City Montessori. And I remember walking in her classroom. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I have seen this before. I have seen this before. And at that moment, I was like, all right, we can't forget about this, <laughs> about this way of teaching and learning. Now it's, it's the second time you've seen this. Um, there's something magical about this. You have to learn everything that you could possibly learn um, about it. And so that's really what started that journey um, with, right, like first seeing it in 2010 and being like, what, what is Montessori? Up to the point of seeing it again and then coaching someone who was teaching kids in Montessori and then myself um, being, you know, a, a follower of the Montessori principles. And then eventually, um, yeah, I, I think selfishly, right? I, I was like, I'm about to be a parent. We need um, other options so that I'm not spending all of our financial resources on my child's K through six education, um, because that's what our reality is here in, in Atlanta. You have to pay for it. Um, and that's really, you know, I was like, if 
with my with my connections, with my networks, with my knowledge, um, you know, it was like we got to build this. Um, and so that's kind of like my journey to Montessori up to get to the point where it's like, okay, now, now we're going to build a Montessori school. That's wonderful. And have you, have you done like any formal training in the, in, in the Montessori method? Yeah. So I have my, um, Montessori admin, um, certificate, um, and right. So to write the charter application, um, you have to write about the curriculum. You have to write about, because no one is going to approve a school <laughs> where they're like, what are you teaching? Um, and I feel so, so very blessed and lucky that the Montessori community has just been so incredibly welcoming in, in helping me write this charter application, right? So from the folks over at, you know, Montessori um, in the public sector, the National Montessori in the public sector, to Montessori in action, to um, people here on the ground in Georgia, right? Like Montessori Partnerships for Georgia. Like all these people where, you know, I'm like, I have all these books. I know the knowledge and I'm writing it. And can you look it over <laughs> to make sure that what I'm saying makes sense and that what we are embodying in public Montessori is truly reflective of what Maria Montessori would have wanted to see in a school. Um, and so, you know, this wasn't like a, I sat in a room by myself and, and, and wrote this charter, but it really was like a collective effort um, to get us to that point. Because, right, I think no even if you've been a Montessorian for, I don't know, 100 years, there is still so much power in having other people look at the work that you're doing to ensure that, right, like what you're creating really is reflective of the current times, as well as your unique context. Um, to, to, to make Montessori a reality for, for families. Yeah, definitely. And I love that you say that because the, the community is very supportive, especially, you know, a project like yours that is, that is bringing Montessori to, you know, tuition free. I think that that is the goal for everyone, honestly, it seems, because, you know, unfortunately, the first Montessori classroom, which I actually had the immense uh, privilege to visit just uh, just a few weeks ago. I was I was in Rome and took a taxi early morning to go sneak into that courtyard to look in the windows of the very first. And you know, it was her intention was that it was for the public. Um, and and to me, it's still you know, it saddens me that it hasn't become more of a mainstream way of educating because like you say you know that description of of the first classroom that you walked into where everybody is is just doing their thing they're 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 joyful because they get to choose what they're interested in they get to choose to to master a skill that they know is important to them um which which is you know makes makes a whole big difference to want to be in school to, you know, have a reason to be there and, and so forth. And I love that you you mentioned that you couldn't find the adults because there's there's a beautiful quote that, that you know, Montessori says about how when, uh, when you're no longer needed as the adult, then you've, you've succeeded, right? Because the children are doing their own thing and you're there to, you know, to redirect if necessary, but 
you're not you're not imposing yourself like in the more conventional education that is very top down and adult driven. One thousand <laughs> percent. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And so, in your in this whole process of um, building the school, making it a, a public, I would assume that you have kind of some rules and regulations to abide by from the the, the public, the, the more conventional public system. How how has that been and and kind of where where have you met? Yeah, that's that's a really uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um yeah, so I, I think that's one of the beauties of approaching this as a as a public charter school. Okay. So with a charter, you get a great deal of flexibility in the program and the way you want to run things um, with a high um, level of accountability, right? Um, and I think when we even think about Montessori, we give our children freedom within limits. And and to me, at least going down the charter route, that, that enables us um, as, as the adults to be able to create whatever model of education it is that, that you want to for your unique context um, to, you know, that freedom, but also like their guardrails. Um, and I, I think a lot of times, right, in in the private Montessori sector, there isn't, um, at least my experience, I'm speaking from my perspective and my experience, um, there isn't this like, you know, focus on benchmarks and testing and, and, meeting certain outcomes, right? Because we're following the child. Um, and so it seems kind of ridiculous to say we're following the child, but by the end of this month, you need to have done all these things. Like, is that truly following the child? And so that's that's a tension there, right? Between being, yes, you have that freedom, but once again, those guardrails that exist as a public charter school, where the only thing that our authorizers a lot of times in the public sector understand is data quantitative data um, where they're, you know, they're like, yeah, we come in your school. Yeah. The kids look happy, you know, great. And what was their performance on this assessment and that assessment and that assessment? And what we know, right. In the traditional sector right now is like our kids are just being tested out. Um, where Well, and they're being taught to, to the, the test. test. Yes. Which is so unfortunate. <laughs> so unfortunate. <laughs> right. And then we wonder why kids are like, I don't want to go to school and they drop out at the earliest opportunity they can. Um, um, so really is trying to find that balance while also really leaning into this um, freedom <laughs> that we get <laughs> from, from the state. And so some of the ways in which we are um, really trying to once again, this word is balance is um, what are the tests that by law we have to give as a public charter school? And what are all the other extra things that we can just like, we just don't do. And the, the beauty of the Montessori curriculum, at least as it aligns with our Georgia state standards, is that there is like that alignment already there. Um, and so it's not necessarily like, oh, we're te- teaching to the test so that our kids can do well on um, the Georgia Milestones assessments, which is the, the required test that we give here for third graders. Um, but it's like what we're doing in Montessori actually like, ex- like exceeds what the state is asking us to do. And so our focus is not like we are teaching to this test to meet the outcomes. It's more so we are following the child. And luckily for us, this curriculum that we have, this Montessori curriculum, 
um, actually ensures that our kids are prepared to perform well on these tests. Um, and so because of, it goes back to just once again, the beauty of Montessori, because of this curriculum that is just so brilliant, we are able to meet this like high level of accountability from the state in terms of assessments, while also doing our best to stay true to Montessori and follow the child. Um, and, you know, lots of schools around the country who have a high fidelity Montessori, you know, public um, model are doing this. And so we're also learning from them, right? So how are you um, meeting your, your authorizer's requirements while also staying true to Montessori? And, and people are doing it. They're doing it well. Um, we have folks here in Georgia, you know, Montessori Partnerships for Georgia, who are supporting us in this work to make sure that we have that alignment um, to really support our kids. And so that, that I would say it's like the biggest, stickiest point that like the testing piece. Um, because if we weren't getting state dollars, eh, <laughs> you know, like the, the Montessori curriculum, there's so much, um, continuous observation built into it, right? We're constantly, constantly observing kids and taking notes and seeing where they are and building on lessons from one lesson to the other. Um, and so we know what kids can do, right? Like we don't do report cards. We don't do A and Bs. No, no, no. Parents get like a comprehensive write out of like, when it comes to maths, these are all the things that your kids are doing. This is what we have observed, which gives them way more data than like, your kid got an A. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, and as a public, you know, charter school, we, we, we're not doing great. That's one of the freedoms that we get to have. Um, we, we don't do grades. We are going to rather have um, a much more like comprehensive type of quote unquote report card um, so it's really, what are the things that are, to me, in my opinion, holding our kids back in the public, in the public education space? And how do we, as a, as a Montessori school, um, navigate against those things so that we're not a school that's just replicating the, the things that we're like, oh, this is why we have to found the school. Um, we have to look different than what is in the traditional sector, um, yeah. Right. So, so that's, I mean, that's good that there's only just one, you know, one test that you, you, you have to do just because you are in the, the public sector. And it's funny because when you were uh, talking about it, my, my brain goes to, you know, my Montessori training. It's like, okay, so what activity could I do to, <laughs> you know, like fill in the bubbles, like have fun, you know, color in bubbles or something like to, to prepare them to have fun really with this, with this uh, test. And, and I'm sure, you know, knowing the Montessori curriculum, uh, your, your children in your school are, are you know, going to blow the, the, <laughs> the results out of the water and somebody's going to come and go around and what are you doing, right? Because, because it's true, like the curriculum is so, for me, so far ahead from the conventional uh, curriculum and the expectations that we have on children. Like there's almost this I almost want to say like dumbing things down for our children when they are so, so bright and they are so capable that it's like, why you, you know, and, and I remember I have a, an anecdote of a, a girl that I had in my classroom and she left uh, the primary classroom after three years of, of uh, being in that environment and went off to 
uh, directly to first grade. So she had had her kindergarten year with me and went off to first grade in a in a pretty, you know, upscale private school and, and so on. And her mother came back to pick up her younger sibling from the school and she handed me her phone. She says, my daughter wants to talk to you. And uh, <laughs> the little girl went and, and they would call me Miss Jenny. And she said, Miss Jenny, they don't know what division is over here. <laughs> And it's so true because this child was just, you know, she was a little mathematician and just loved the whole, you know, math curriculum and was, you know, dividing fractions and large numbers and just having fun with it and was very disappointed that in her school that wasn't, you know, it it was just a conventional school, wasn't letting her go beyond what was expected of her age level. And that is, that is not following the child. That is, yeah. It's not. Yeah. And so just, and, and one thing that uh, I want to add about like the assessment piece, um, you know, I, I think for me, it's, it's actually not a bad thing, right? Because if we're preparing our kids and we're truly following this Montessori curriculum, the, the standards of excellence, regardless of what state you're in, your kids should be able to at least meet that bar. And when we think about practical life skills, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, my my father in law is a plumber. He had to take a test, <laughs> like you know, like to get his certification to be a plumber. Um, I had to take a test um, to get, earn my special education certificate. Um, you know, my special education degree. And so I I think that is a skill that it would to me at least it's an injustice um, to tell our kids right that like. Oh, that's not something you need to worry about because that is that is the current world that we live in. Y- you got to take tests um, to for professions for, um, yeah, I mean for life. But once again, right now, I feel like our society we have just gone the other way on the the pendulum where we're just like all we care about are tests, um, <laughs> which is like so problematic. Um, and so you know, thinking about how do we get kids to And then, right, we have like testing anxiety. We have just all these things when it comes to testing. And so how are we truly preparing our kids to live? You know, our mission is for our children to live a life of purpose, to live this life of purpose. Um, And and I think to me, a part of that is like them knowing the skills to navigate just our current reality, which is you got to take tests. Right, right. Uh, unfortunately, there are no tests to be parents, though. I know, right? <laughs> That's the million-dollar idea. We need to get together and figure this out. <laughs> definitely, definitely, yeah. So, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm still intrigued about your whole, you know, your whole project. How are you managing the the teachers, the adults that are going to be there? Are you training them? Are they, are they from the 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 public, um, you know, educational system, or have have they come to you from uh, Montessori backgrounds? Like, how how is that working out? When it comes to um, teacher recruitment, we're really looking at you know, our, our unique context, we are locating in Clayton County, um, which is um, predominantly made up of Black uh, and, and Hispanic families. Um, and to really want to have a, a teaching force that is reflective of the kids 
in, in our community. Um, and so we are getting, you know, folks who already have their Montessori, Montessori certification um, and others who have their Georgia, you know, their traditionally trained Georgia teachers, um, but are looking for something different um, and are now interested in becoming Montessori teachers. And our focus really is in diversifying the Montessori teacher pipeline. And so one of the ways in which we are doing that is we're actually covering the cost of the Montessori training um, for our lead guides who don't, well, are soon to be lead guides who don't hold a Montessori certification. Um, we are also building our own teaching pipeline. And so all of our assistants um, will be given the opportunity um, at cost to us as a school um, to cover their Montessori teacher training as well. Um, and all of our folks will be going through a, a MACD accredited um, program. Uh, being in Georgia, um, the folks at Montessori Partnerships of Georgia actually uh, did some lobbying. And so um, a MACD accreditation is actually recognized by the state of Georgia as um, a state teaching accreditation, which is beautiful because it means that for our staff, we can pay into the teacher retirement system um, for them on their behalf. Um, we get uh, financial compensation from the state uh, based on, on them being uh, certified teachers. Um, and so it really, you know, having this model is like, so, it's so attractive on so many levels, not just for kids, but also uh, for the adults who either already have their Montessori certification, but are not in the public sector. And those who don't have it and are interested and are really hoping to join what what I'm hoping is like a movement. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so when you said the uh, accreditation from MACDE means that you don't have to, because I know some states you also need like state um, certification, even, you know, even if you have a master's in Montessori education, you still need to have the abide by the state regulation. Would that be the same thing in Georgia? Or? Um, no. And so I think they have to like, you know, there's paperwork you got to fill out. I think you might have to take a test, but there isn't a test like, again. <laughs> yeah, a test. Listen, <laughs> but I know that our, like when someone goes through, you know, um, an approved, right, like a, a, a MACD accredited program, they are more than capable of passing some state test um, to, you know, the content to be able to, to teach. But yeah, that they are recognized as a Georgia certified teacher. That's great. That's great. And I know you're starting out with K through six. Do you have like future dreams of going even higher? Yes. Uh, so we're doing K-6, but we're going to start with K-3 okay, um, and add on an additional year um, so that we grow gradually because um, we're new and I want to make sure that we're taking our time and really doing right by our kids. Um, and, and the goal really is to also grow down. Um, we know like Montessori is the most effective the earliest we can start. And so if we can get our, our babies in into, into our school community, you know, at three, four, um, I, I think there could really be power in that. Um, you know, right now when you're applying for the charter, it's, it's you don't let, you know, perfection be the enemy of getting things done. Um, and so could we, it, it would have been a much longer process had we decided like, oh, let's start with pre-K three, pre-K four, and then kindergarten because the funding streams are different. Um, and so we just decided like, 
what would Maria Montessori, like, would she want us to start now or wait till things are perfect? <laughs> no, start now. Start now. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so we're starting with the K and so our K is going to be standalone. Um, just because when we think about, we think about the planes of development, our, our, you know, five-year-olds, they're going to want to do more of the practical life stuff. And if we put them with, you know, our first graders, um, they're getting cheated out of that because our first graders are ready to move on. And so we, we made the decision to have KBS standalone. And then in year two, um, add our pre-K three and our pre-K four. So then we could have that multi-age groupings um, for, for the benefit of the kids. And then, you know, one, two, three will be together, four, five, six will be together. And so right now, you know, as I'm thinking about like, what is our five-year strategy, even eight-year strategy is really that pre-K through pre-K four um, as being really, really essential to our program. Um, I, I want us to be a high fidelity Montessori school. And I think that that is such an important part of it, having that pre-K through pre-K four. Um, and so that that's kind of like our plan for, for the long term. Um, I don't know if I have it in me uh, for an, uh, you know, like adolescent program. <laughs> sure you do, or you're going to find somebody that does. No, it's and such a beautiful program too. Such a gorgeous program. And I don't know, like, I'm sure that with the fact that you're building this program and you said that you're very connected to the you know, Montessori community and those uh, doing public schools. Have you heard of the uh, program that started here in San Diego called uh, Logan Memorial? I have not, but I am writing it down. Yeah, so they opened, I think they did a soft opening maybe last year, but this fall they um, opened and they regrouped basically an elementary school and middle school and a high school. And it's actually called Cradle to Career. And they're doing prenatal education and, and it goes through high school and it is all Montessori based and it is public. And I hope to go uh, actually tour it next week. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just amazing, amazing. And this is in a Hispanic community. It's in the Barrio Logan, which is a beautiful, traditional uh, Hispanic neighborhood here in San Diego. And they've regrouped all of these, you know, schools and, and made this quite large campus. But it's, uh, yeah, and I love the fact that it's cradle to career. So it's really from the very beginning. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I was actually just in San Diego for um, some funding training. Um, and I was in the that barrio, actually, and I didn't know. But I'm going back in the spring again. So I have made a note to reach out to them to see if they would be open to me stopping by. Yes, definitely. And and let me know because that, that would, it, it's just wonderful. Um, I have another question. What, where does the name Sengofa comes from? Oh, yes. Thank you for asking that. Uh, so I'm originally from Ghana. Um, yes. And the word, um, so we say it Sankofa, but in, in, in American dialect, <laughs> it's Sankofa. Um, and it means going and looking to the past, um, to see like all the lessons and the wisdoms and bringing that into the present, because what we're, you know, when you don't reflect on like what has happened before you, 
you are doomed to make mistakes that you just didn't have to make. Um, and so when we really think about, right, like Montessori has been around for over a hundred years. And this is a way of teaching and learning that like we know works. And yet we are going through this like educational world, educational space. I think a lot of us um, not really reflecting, right? Like what has worked? Why? Like there's always some new curriculum somewhere, some new thing, some, and, and, you know, things just like people trying things when we know of something that works. And so when it came to picking a school name, and thinking about, right, like this Montessori curriculum that is like rooted in evidence and has been around for so long and we know it works, let's bring that into our community because like it's not here. Um, and so let's look in the past, like what, what we know works and, and bring it into, into the present. And so that's kind of how the name came about. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, this has been delightful, Sarah. I mean, I could go on and, and, and I, I want to know so much, but I know that we are limited in our time and you've already shared so much. Um, I really appreciate this. And, and I would like to end with a more uh, personal question. You did, you did mention that you have a two-year-old, is that correct? I do. I do. Okay. Would you be able to reflect back to maybe just three years ago when you were expecting your child and maybe, you know, some wise words that you would have liked to hear, or maybe that you would tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Oh my goodness. You have really good questions. I feel like I'm in therapy right now. Um, I, I, I remember like being pregnant and right. Like I was also pregnant. We found out we, we started sharing with people in March Okay, and the pandemic happened. Oh, so we didn't even know <laughs> it was coming. And, and so that also added just like a layer of just like fear and uncertainty and anxiety. Um, but even before then, I remember just trying to like get, trying to control everything and trying to make everything like perfect, right? From like the setup of, we chose not to find out um, the gender um, until the day of the birth. And so, you know, setting up this room for, whatever gender we were going to have and like controlling, like, you know, no, you, when you go and they weigh you, you can only be this weight because the maternal diabetes and just, just so many things that now I'm like, Oh, you should have been like, you needed to be kinder to yourself. Um, and, and just like enjoy growing a human. Um, and all that comes with it. And, you know, reflecting now I, I think those are those are the two things be kinder like I, I should have been kinder to myself and 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 enjoy it more rather than trying to control all the things um because once she got here I mean it was like what are plans what is control like like all of that doesn't exist in my life anymore um and and it, it I think it made the the shift a lot harder for me from like being pregnant to then like having a kid in your arms because I had this mindset of like, everything has to be perfect. You have to control everything. And then when the kid is here and things are just kind of like, not at all what <laughs> you controlled them and wanted them to be, it was like, oh, oh, this, I have to shift my mindset. Um, and so it's been, 
just like hours of therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love that. And and for all those listening who are you know expecting, take take note. Sarah has some wise words there. So wonderful. Uh, any any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I mean, I think I believe that Montessori is for every child. Um, however, Montessori is not for every family. And so I know we've spent, you know, the, the bulk of our time really, at least from my end, exalting the, the virtues and the benefits of, of Montessori. And right, like as a parent is like finding out what works best for your family, what educational method works best for your family um, to ensure that your child is able to have the life of purpose, your child is able to lean into their greatness and become who it is that they have always been uh, been meant to be. And so those those would be my parting words. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been really a delightful conversation. And I'm so glad that you came on to The Art of Parenting. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. And do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.